I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What? An an elephant? Welcome to Previously On Watchmen in association with Sky Atlantic, taking you through some of the best and most complex television in the world. Oh, wow. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Previously On Watchmen. Uh, If you are listening to this, it means that you must be up to speed. You must have watched uh, Season 1, Episode 7. What the flipping heck was going on there? Okay, I tell you what, let's just let's just recap, shall we? I've got a great episode lined up for you. We've got a, a fantastic guest, Joel Morris, uh, who is a f- wonderful comedy writer um, and a podcaster and an all-round good bloke and a, and a proper aficionado about Watchmen legend and also clearly a huge, huge fan of this TV series. I'm kind of hyperventilating a bit because I'm so excited to talk about this episode, and me and Joel really got under its skin. It was a great, great chat. There's very little for me to kind of uh, talk about now because we got so much covered in our chat. So what we'll do is uh, we'll just go straight into the recap, shall we? Uh, if you don't want the recap, just fast forward about seven or eight minutes uh, and you'll hear the chat then. But for now, let's crack on and remind ourselves of everything, everything that went on in that mind-blowing episode. Watchmen Season 1, Episode 7, An Almost Religious Awe. We begin with some old black and white documentary footage all about Dr. Manhattan, including footage of the blue-skinned one walking skyscraper high through the jungles of Vietnam whilst asking the question, was he the hero who single-handedly won the war? We cut away from the footage to the interior of a video store in Vietnam as a young black girl picks up a copy of Sister Night on VHS and takes it to the counter. Despite being informed by the shop owner she won't be allowed to watch it, she pays and leaves. Outside, there's a carnival atmosphere with what seems to be a celebration of Dr. Manhattan in full swing. The little girl approaches her parents and is told she'll have to wait until she's grown up before she can watch that. They also call her Angela, so we can presume that this nipper is in fact Angela Abar. On her way to return the film, Angela stops at a Dr. Manhattan-themed puppet show. A Vietnamese man approaches on a bicycle, takes a backpack from the puppeteer in what can only be described as incredibly suspicious circumstances, and pedals away at speed. The action is intercut with flash footage of the Vietnam War and the massacre at Tulsa. Angela watches in horror as the bicycle man screams death to the invaders, leaps into the midst of a group of American soldiers, and detonates the bomb in his backpack. 
We see Angela thrown backwards by the blast and then cut to the present day Angela falling to the floor in some obvious pain and confusion. We see that she's still inside the domed walls of Lady True's place and that she also has some odd medical equipment attached to her arms. Lady True strolls in and sighs as Angela asks what happened, then for the fifth time retells the story about Angela overdosing on someone else's nostalgia pills and that she's now having her life saved. Angela gets injected and passes out. We see an infomercial covering what exactly happens if you take somebody else's nostalgia. It talks about how the infestation of another's memories into your own head can be cured by what basically amounts to next-level pest control for the brain. Angela's awake again. Lady True asks if the film has explained a few things. Angela gets emotional as she realises the tube coming from her arm is attached at the other end, in another room, to her grandfather in some kind of transfusion. She asks to see him, but is told she wouldn't know where he ends and she begins. Lady True asks Angela what knocked her from the bed. We see a flashback to the explosion that killed her parents, but Angela lies. Outside, Cal arrives to see her. He's met instead by a hologram of Bian, Lady True's daughter, who denies him access as the treatment's at a critical phase. A frustrated Cal angrily asks where Agent Blake is. Cut to Agent Blake in her car. She receives contact from Agent Petey. He's standing among a group of dead 7th Cavalry members in the home of Wade-looking Glass Tillman. Petey was sent over there to follow a hunch that he might be in cahoots with the cavalry. Laurie tells him to stay put and cuts the call. As Laurie steps from her car, a woman approaches on horseback. It's Mrs Jane Crawford, the late Judd's wife. The pair enter the Crawford house. Initial pleasantries of offered tea or coffee are cut short as Laurie announces she knows who killed Judd. She reveals the information about Will Reeves and the fact that he's Angela's grandfather. She carries on and tells Miss Crawford that Angela took Will's nostalgia and she talks a lot about Will and his past, also revealing that he was hooded, also revealing that he was hooded justice. She mentions Cyclops and mind control and how she believes Judd died because Will thought he was part of the Cyclops setup. Laurie suggests that the 7th Cavalry might actually be Cyclops reborn, that it might be the police in the masks. She considers perhaps they're aiming to install Senator Joe Keane as president. To Laurie's surprise, Jane openly admits that was the original plan, but that it also quickly seemed not enough to just go for president. As confusion grips Laurie's face, Jane begins pushing a button on a device, and for the second time in a very short amount of time, Laurie's gripped by surprise as a trap door opens beneath her chair and she plummets down. Jane makes a call and asks whoever's on the other end of the line if she wants her to kill Laurie. Back in the dome home of Lady True, Angela is awake and a bit more relaxed. Bianne enters and begins to test her by holding cards depicting scenes and firing questions about trust, fear and anger. Bianne asks Angela if she finds it hard lying to her son about her job. Angela says no, it's for their own protection. Bianne questions why Angela's a cop if it might worry her children. Angela spaces out at the question and we're back with her younger self in an orphanage in Vietnam. She sits with other children painting Dr Manhattan dolls before being dragged away by an adult. Outside, police wait for her. They state they need her help and begin asking about the puppeteer she saw. A car door is opened and the same puppeteer sits there, arrested. Angela confirms that, yep, that's him. The man's led away with a sack over his head. Angela asks the remaining female officer if she can listen. The officer smiles and hands her a police badge, telling her to come and find her when she's older. We then hear a single gunshot as the puppeteer is executed. We're back inside. It's night time and we see Angela place the badge under her mattress alongside the sister night VHS. Cut back to present day Angela, Bian asks whose memory she just experienced and is told it was Angela's own. Bian announces that means the treatment's probably working. 
She then reveals to Angela she has vivid dreams of being an old woman and it scares and hurts her. Angela says seeing Will's memories hurts her too. Next, we nip off to the mad world of Adrian Ozymandias Vite in a courtroom in session for what is announced of day 365. That's some serious jury service. Everyone arises as, a <coughs> Everyone arises as the game warden enters. The prosecution talk first to offer their closing statement. One of the female clones stands up and accuses Adrian of mass murder via the psychic squid incident and of showing zero remorse. She then states his true purpose in life now is escape and implores the gathered to find him guilty. We hear from the game warden that Adrian has chosen to represent himself but has offered no counter-argument for the past year-long case. He's given a last chance to speak. Adrian stands, clears his throat as though to say something that unleashes a magnificently timed and quite melodious fart before announcing the defence rests and returns to his seat. The game warden states has assembled a suitable jury to deliberate over Adrian's fate. A door opens and dozens of piglets appear? One's lifted up and asked what it thinks. It squeals and the game warden delivers a verdict of guilty, a verdict that's chanted at the defeated Adrian by the gathered clones. We return to the house of True as Angela follows the tube in her arm down a corridor to an adjoining room. She attempts to enter, but is stopped by Lady True, who naturally invites her to lunch. They discuss Cal's accident, a car crash and his subsequent total amnesia that left his former life a total blank. Angela asks why her grandfather wanted her to take his nostalgia pills. Lady True says he didn't want her to take them all in one go. Angela questions whose nostalgia pills Bianne is taking. Then, in the tradition of watchmen try to completely blow our minds, Lady True tells Angela that Bianne is not her daughter, but is in fact her mother. We hear that Lady True harvested her memories before she died and then cloned her. Angela then asks about what it is that Lady True's clock actually does, but doesn't get an answer. Given we've heard the countdown is only hours away now, I'm sure it's going to be absolutely mental. Moving on, we're back with Laurie, who's now tied to a chair in what appears to be a huge 7th Cavalry warehouse. In front of us sits the portal gate we saw a couple of episodes ago. Senator Joe Keane approaches. He informs a Cyclops might just be looking to bring Dr. Manhattan back into the game. Huh? Back in the dome, Angela watches Lady True make a speech on a screen. She leaves and heads to the room she thinks holds her grandfather Will. She hammers on the door, demanding he open it. Breaking the lock, she storms in and is met by... the sight of an elephant at the other side of her tube. What the fuck is going on? She pulls the tube from her arm and we're back in Saigon with young Angela. An older American lady approaches and introduces herself as June, her grandma, in town to take her home. The pair catch up over lunch. Granny fills in some family history for Angela, including how her dad had not listed June's next of kin, so she hadn't known when he died. Angela informs June she's going to be a police officer when she grows up and also shows her the Sister Night video. She tells June her dad said to be scared of people in masks, so wouldn't let her watch it but June replies that was just because her dad had been scared himself by someone in a mask when he was little, and we see that footage of Willis Hooded Justice and Angela's father as a young boy again. June then tells Angela they're going to return to Tulsa, just before they're about to leave in a taxi. June suffers a heart attack and dies, leaving Angela alone once again. Back in the dome, present-day Angela, now unshackled from the elephant, finds her way to a room housing a large illuminated blue globe. As she touches it, screens appear on the wall showing videos of all the phone calls made from the Manhattan booths. She finds the one from Laurie to Dr. Manhattan, 
Lady True enters and states that all the calls go unanswered because Dr. Manhattan isn't listening and isn't even on Mars. In fact, she continues, that he's right there in Tulsa, pretending to be human. She says the 7th Cavalry planned to capture the Doc, destroy him and become him, and that Will approached her for help to stop them. As Angela leaves, Lady True stops her and asks why she isn't curious as to who Dr. Manhattan is now that she knows he's walking the streets of Tulsa. Outside, Angela's attempts to leave in a car are stopped, but she rams the vehicle of Red Scare and boots it out of there. Back home, Cal is woken by his wife. He's surprised to see her there, but Angela tells him he must listen to her. She tells him she loves him, pulls a hammer from a drawer, and declares it time for him to come out of the tunnel. Naturally, slightly alarmed, Cal asks what the hell she's doing, but Angela says they talked about it. Struggling to remember, Cal asks if this conversation happened before his accident. Angela replies that there was no accident, and bombshell number one detonates. She approaches, revealing that this was Cal's idea, but refers to him as John, and then brings the hammer down hard on his head. She drops and continues to smash the weapon into him, digs her fingers into his broken face, and removes a hydrogen symbol. Cal is Dr. Manhattan. Angela declares they're in big trouble, that all the bombshells in the world just got dropped. Boom. You're listening to, previously on, Watchmen, in association with Sky Atlantic. You can watch Watchmen exclusively on Sky Atlantic every single Monday at 9pm. Don't panic if you missed it, because each episode goes straight up on demand as soon as it's aired. For more information, hop over to sky.com. Yeah, you weren't imagining it. All of that did actually happen. In one episode, too. We had elephants. We had cow john what we had trapdoors we had reveals we had a fart oh my god it was just wonderful 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 this series is just getting so so good i'm so invested in it it's uh, ridiculous uh, i've had some great guests on and believe me we've got some fantastic guests still lined up for this i'm not even joking we've got some crackers lined up Including this week's guest is the, the marvellous Joel Morris, a comedy writer and podcaster, an all-around fantastic bloke, and it was a great chat. Here it is. Joel Morris, a comedy writer and host of Rule of Three podcast. Welcome to Previously On. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you for asking me on. Uh, my absolute pleasure. Uh, and, and what a doozy you've picked as this well. This is a, an amazing thing to be talking about. Let's uh, let's rewind just, uh, just a little bit to kind of Watchmen as, as a whole. It's the one thing... I'm kind of really enjoying and also which is a huge rarity in kind of quality drama and things like this is that there's no let up it doesn't seem to be there hasn't been a dud episode they've all kind of escalated and ramped up and each episode we're just becoming more and more I guess invested in in Lindelof's vision of 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 what Watchmen is becoming do you know what I mean whereas before everyone was deeply suspicious and kind of like where's he going with this and and yet now it's just like you know there was the episode you know a couple of episodes back where where we saw Will Reeves's backstory that was amazing then the whole nostalgia of last week was amazing everything just feels like it's just getting better 
I think, and this is, I've got a slight prejudice against box sets because I think they put the clutch down a lot. They're sort of, they're made, to, they're ordered by the yard. Yeah. And a lot of the time, an episode, which is great, it's beautifully acted and things, but basically not very much happens. There'll be a tiny marginal move of one character's loyalty against another. And you know you're watching basically a super soap opera, but like with really classy, novelistic pretensions. Like Lost. But so, yeah, but sometimes you go, well, I'm, this is going nowhere. And what yeah. this has got, which I think which is the thing that no one's expecting, but it's doing so brilliantly, is it's borrowed from comics a need to constantly be astonishing you. Yeah. And it's got a feeling, there's a thing in comics, like the splash page, yeah. that suddenly you'll go, that we tick, tick, frame, 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 nine frames, and then the next frame, will, next page, will be a huge splash page of something amazing. Someone will suddenly appear, a door will open, and Batman comes through. You can see that storytelling in the Marvel movies. It's yeah. constantly, there's a, there's a shoof noise, and someone turns around, and it's Captain America. There's these big splash pages where something incredible fills the whole frame. And they appear to have borrowed that for the storytelling in this. It's, full of constantly moving, astonishing images that move the story on and keep you thinking, what's going to happen next? Yeah. There's no sense that it's going to move slowly. It's, it's, there's a storytelling trick that someone once told me. He said that what you should do is go through your screenplay and find the scenes that aren't your favourite scenes and work out how to make them your favourite scenes. And then um, that film will be the best film ever made. And you see it with films that people really love, Reservoir Dogs. Every yeah. scene is the best scene it can be. It's been really overwritten. And unlike most box set drama, which sometimes says, we've got you anyway. Yeah. We've got you for the long haul. You're addicted. We're saving it for episode nine. Yeah. Yeah, And there's a certain thing. It always reminds me of the way sport works, is that people are willing to put up with a really boring home draw because they know that next week it could be the couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That addictive thing. You've signed up for this. You bought the shirt. You're loyal. We can really string you out. And this has made none of those assumptions. Even with a brand that you think they'd say, well, well, basically comic fans will tune in and watch this anyway. Yeah. They've said every single frame has got to astonish you. Make it count. And every single scene, the next scene you go, oh my God, I forgot that the last scene had that amazing thing in Vietnam. And yeah. at the end of watching this week's episode, I rewound it just to remind myself what had been in it. I just went through it at 12 times speed. It and went, crammed in so scene, much. Scene, scene, scene. There was no let up and no, it never took for granted that I was going to keep watching. The episode in particular, even though I think there'd been some statements made by the makers or Lindelof, I don't know if it was Lindelof himself, said, you know, Dr. Manhattan's not going to be in this. <laughs> I mean, that was clearly just bullshit. Um, I'd li- I like to say that I- I've taken a screen grab of a, of a, of a forum post that I posted uh, <laughs> kind of like three months ago where I said, Dr. Manhattan's already on Earth. Um, so oh. I'm, I'm quite proud of that. But I did not see uh, the whole cow thing coming at all. No. Uh, there's some terrific mystery. We can do spoilers, can't we? we oh, yeah, yeah. This is a fully... Good. Yeah. Not, I bet there is an astonishing mis- bit of misdirection. And again, it's pure comic book. One of the things that's great about this is not only is it its understanding of, of using imagery to tell a story, like big images, a big elephant on the floor, uh, a huge puppet of Dr. Manhattan. It's full of great imagistic storytelling, yeah. like a comic book. And there's the great bit where she finds the, the, the hub, this almost... Uh, almost under the skin black room with the blue hub for the prayers to go oh to Dr. Manhattan. Oh my God, I've not she, even seen, I've not even thought about the visual. And she walks in and there's this blue thing and all the way through the whole episode, every time you've seen blue, you know that's Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Blue, there's a blue mural behind her when, when she loses her, her grandmother. Yeah. There's blue keeps flicking up and you go, blue is when Dr. Manhattan's there. There's the blue thing. She walks in there and then when uh, Lady True walks up to her, says, you don't know who Dr. Manhattan is. The blue light lights Lady True from below and you go, it's her. They light her blue. Wow. And for a second I thought, well, that, that wouldn't make any sense, but she's building an amazing millennium clock. Maybe it's her. And they even do misdirection with it. They're storytelling with colour. 
I'd not which even, is what, oh my God, you watch Which is a real Dave Gibbonsy trick. It's, it, an artist has been an executive producer on this. Yeah. They're making it like a comic book that you can tell a story by just what colour the screen goes. I mean, Breaking Bad did that quite well as yes. well, didn't it, with costume. Yeah, that you can you can trigger people. I mean, it's just good direction. Really. Yeah. But the, the the confidence there seems to be they've pulled it across from comics and said sometimes you know when Batman's going to come because there's a there's a flash of black and yellow or Superman with blue and red. Right. They'll do superheroes are, are brightly coloured wrestlers. They've got their own team strips and colours. Yeah. You drop that colour in and your brain, whether you know it or not, is thinking it's it's brilliantly done in. Um, Thor Ragnarok, Taika Waititi does it, where they right. wander into the street and everyone's dressed as the Hulk and everything suddenly goes green. A green and purple, yeah. Oh, which yeah, is yeah. very like the scene where everyone's dressed as Dr. Manhattan. Everyone's celebrating Dr. Manhattan. There's yeah. blue everywhere, a big carnival. And it's just, it's a great way of telling a story that, that goes in underneath your conscious brain and goes, I'm expecting the blue guy next because yeah, I've seen yeah, some blue. Yeah. It's great. It's really sophisticated. So all that aside, yeah. What the fuck happened? <laughs> I, don't, I, I think, again, you're saying that there's answers in this one. And I think that's a lovely thing. People, Well, there's answers in a sense that, from a pure plot point of view, there have been a few episodes where it has been purely kind of classic Lindelof where we've focused on a single character. And yeah. We've, and we've learned motive. Yeah. Whereas this one was very much a kind of like, right... Yeah, everyone's involved in a story. We've here. had the the Looking Glass one, and we've had the Hooded yeah. Justice one. We've had a, a superhero at a time, and, and we, we, we. But this one was was about what's going. It's starting to pull things together. Yeah, and I think if you're if you're watching this with a a negative expectation expectation of Damon Lindelof that he's going to just keep asking questions and never answer them. Yeah, this was lovely, and it kept saying, "Here's a question, and we'll hold you maybe for ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and then we'll answer it." Yeah, there's a tube going somewhere to a door. Yeah. And I went, that'll be two episodes of what's behind the door. Well, like you say, with, with Lady True said, oh, don't you want to know who Dr. Yeah. Dr. Manhattan is? It was like, I thought, oh, we're not going to find out. I got pissed off because obviously uh, Sister Knight walks off <laughs> and you go, well, ask her. Ask her. The other. And then brilliantly, a nice bit of plot writing, a nice bit of, of character writing. You go, well, she walked off because she knows. Yeah. And that was great. It wasn't that artificial thing, that EastEnders thing of going, I'm going to tell you. No, don't walk off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't the thing where you yeah. slam the door and don't give the answer. She yeah. walked off because she had the answer herself. And I like the fact that it's saying to you, you understand these storytelling tricks. It's full of, oh, it, which is what it's got in common with the it, comic. It does raise a lot of questions, though. Number one, all right, oh, God, where do we even begin with this? <laughs> so, number one, what are they going to tell the kids? <laughs> is, <laughs> is Cal, I mean, presumably... Cal is dead in his current form now. That's Cal over because he's had, what was it? A, a kind of hydrogen symbol dug from his head? That's, yeah, that's Dr. That's Man, Dr. Dr. Manhattan's logo. logo. When, he, when he doesn't want the atomic logo they designed for him. He, yeah. he says, I want this a pure, the hydrogen atom symbol from the comic. So can we assume that that is Dr. Manhattan? He's contained in there. He's that's contained the, in... That's the USB stick yeah. with Dr. Manhattan on it. <laughs> Is Cal as a human being now dead or... Well, wasn't the word... There was the word shell used or something. Basically, yeah. maybe he was just a shell. We know or we're suspecting because of the, the Crookshanks and Phillips, the the, the the butlers and maids in, in Adrian Veidt's world, that there's some way of creating life that isn't actually human. Yeah. So I, my brain immediately went, oh, he's one of them. He's one of those people you can kill. So there's a garage full of them somewhere. Yeah, well, yeah. you can kill with impunity, like like in a video game where you can shoot zombies and you don't feel bad. Right, okay. I think he might be a non-human. But I think, especially because you've had that, again, beautiful writing, the tiny scene where he's trying to get to his wife earlier on. You've had, before he dies, he's been so humanised. Yeah. So you don't want to see something bad happen to that guy. Yeah. Lovely actor, beautiful performance, really nice. A tiny throwaway scene they needn't have had. So that means that they must... No, actually, your theory then is correct because there's, I don't believe that Angela would have adopted children with 
John slash Cal, knowing that one day she's going to have to kill a real person, kill a real person, and then what does she tell the kids? But I think that's that's a great thing. Is you're what you're watching. It's again, it's a lovely way of of comic book storytelling done beautifully. Is someone does something visually, pulls out a hammer on their spouse that makes no sense, and you're immediately you're, you're you're lean forward on your chair and, go, and you go but, 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 ask a load of questions and then they smash up and go it's okay I knew what I was doing here's the reveal and all my favourite comics ever did that it was yeah. one of the great things about uh, if you've read any Brian K. Vaughan stuff like Paper Girls he right. runs it who's the next lost writer wrote Saga and Paper Girls oh, wow. all of his stuff is an impossible thing happens you turn the page you go ah oh, that's what's oh, happening yeah. and it's constantly dragging you through the story on a rope and Watchmen the original comic was one of the first things I ever read that did that that kept doing inexplicable things and then a few panels later, telling you. It was, it was only ever one step ahead of you. It's clear why Angela disliked uh, Laurie so much, because she was the only one that knew that that's basically her husband's ex. Yes. There's a weird kind of connection between yes, her and Cal anyway. There are, there are two women there who've got John Osterman in their lives. Yeah. And it wasn't quite clear. That lovely confrontation in the in the tomb suddenly has a new resonance. Yeah. And it's, I, oh God, I mean, everything's everything's generously playing in a way that makes me think I will want to watch this again afterwards. Yeah. And I think that's almost unique. There are very few box sets I've ever wanted to watch again. Because, but they need... To pick up on things you missed the first yeah, time. Yeah, they need to have a propulsion. You don't need to... If the only reward is waiting for the answer, yeah. which a lot of the time in box sets is you go find out who wins. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, like sport. If the only, if yeah. only question is who wins the league, it's hard to watch... The whole thing again. Game of Thrones to some extent was that. Yeah, who's going to win and things. Yeah. And I think it's why people got so oversensitive about the result. And you went, no, the journey was meant to be fun. You're yeah. not meant to worry about the final thing. But this, the journey's really good fun. And there's loads going on. And I think that you're you're going to want to go back and look at this again. Even rewinding it to just, I want to just quickly remind myself of the scenes. Mm. I enjoyed watching it at 12 times speed afterwards. Because it kept reminding me of great things and making little links between things. I think maybe this is one to watch on on high speed. That's quite finished. a good. Yeah, that's a great yeah, idea. Just actually. connect everything up. Like actually, like flicking through a comic book yeah. quickly, flicking through the pages. Well, yeah, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm also keen to know your thoughts on um, Adrian Veidt and what is going on there. There's two theories with Adrian Veidt that I want to kind of put to you. One is that um, he is in a completely different timeline to everybody else. Yes, it seems to be. He's not running so at every the same episode speed. is a different year. Yeah, he's definitely not running at the same speed as the, the story was tonight. But are we just catching up with his timeline sporadically, or is he in a different, or is it kind of like you know is this like where he's in, been since nineteen eighty six? Into that, yeah. And that's what I mean. Is, are, yeah. we, are we seeing flashbacks, or are we just seeing him like interstellar style on a different planet where time? runs at a different speed to or the rest of us. Or even Christopher Nolan, it could be Dunkirk. If there's another yeah. timeline running, eventually he's going to collide with our 2019. Which brings me to my second theory that I want to put to you, kind of like conjoined theory, <laughs> is that some people are linking Cyclops, uh, the, sim- the symbol of Cyclops that everybody uh, is doing with the squid. Yeah, I think that's deliberate, especially when it's painted on the wall behind yeah. them when, when Senator Keane is, is interviewing Laurie, or is, is intimidating Laurie. Yeah. Your brain immediately associates it. Again, great visual storytelling. That symbol is the same. They're, they're doing all the things that were done in the comic. That You can just do visual echoes of things. Yeah. The lovely thing where it goes from, from Angela's eyes to the roof of, of Vice oh, Chapel. That's, did, that's the second time they've done oh, that, isn't just it? Just a it's beautiful and trick. And it's incredible. But, which, again, was in the comic all the time. Just the idea of saying there are echoes throughout. And you should, but also just alerting you, watch for them, because some of them will be clues. Yeah. And I think that the Cyclops thing definitely is. I mean, the Adrian Veidt scenes were the reason I fell in love with this series. 
It was just bonkers. Just yeah, it started off and I thought, I haven't seen this done. If the, the thing I keep referring to is The Prisoner. It reminds me of The Prisoner. It feels like a 1960s experimental freak out, like a Lindsay Anderson movie. or right. a, It's got a, a sense of, this is just cool. Let's just do cool stuff. Yeah. And there's no, I remember watching The Prisoner with my son and he was only about six at the time. And he said, what's this about? And I went, oh God, it happened to be Where gone. do I start? And I said, it's about a spy and they want to drive him mad. And he went, great. Oh, right. Actually, weirdly, freak out weird stuff is really easy to watch because actually it's usually about something quite simple. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. this is, they've trapped this man in a prison. It literally, he is the prisoner and yeah. he wants to get out. And it's such a simple thing to follow. But I haven't seen television do something this bold with surrealism or box sets came with a, as a, as a, medium as a, as, a, as a fashion with a huge slice of realism the idea was you would do a gangster movie but it'd be really realistic yeah they really like or a the wire it was reportage so everything was all about taking taking big detective characters from colombo and taking them really seriously and i've not seen a, a box set in ages that said well let's do something big and cartoony the best yeah. things of comics yeah, yeah. a really outrageous um free for all it's symbolic and thematic and it's not really happening. It's really brave. Is is Adrian, and fun. Oh, it's it's a hell <laughs> there's of a whiffs, lot of fun. There's whiffs of Adam West Batman in it. You go, you've got superheroes, you can yeah. do this. It's just the way he's kind of like sat there re- with resignation in his kind of daft costume. Yeah. That's oh. just like where he's just and then the fart was just like just a stroke of genius, I thought. <laughs> he's almost the only one. I love this when when he gets a red scare and pirate Jenny and things. They're in the kind of shit costumes that Spider Man starts out in. Yeah, exactly. And the point is in the in this universe, no one really becomes superpowered apart from Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. And no one's really got an Edna mode from the incredible who makes them unbelievable yeah, yeah, impossible yeah, suits yeah. except Adrian Veidt because he's got the money yeah, yeah. who's properly done up as a, as a Cesar <laughs> Romero Bond, uh, Batman villain the, the tricks it's playing still with all those lovely the joy of saying this is a comic book it's set in a comic book world yeah. that when, when uh, Laurie's meant to go through the trap door that the trapdoor switch doesn't, doesn't work. work. She's, like, she's got a villain's and lair. A really, and it's like an, it's, it's a 20-year-old switch. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind been of like installed a, a long time <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah. But playing with those jokes that were in the original comic, that if I'm not a Republic Serials villain, I wouldn't explain my plan if I hadn't already done it. Yeah. Which was the, the thing, I remember reading that as a teenager and going, oh my God, they know I've read these things before. Yeah. A sort of scream style awareness They're waving the, the tropes in your face. Yeah, and yeah. go, well, we're not going to do that because in the real world that wouldn't happen. Or actually, I tell you what, in the real world it would happen. Lady True has got an underground secret base with those yeah. corridors. When the, when the lift doors opened and there was a long corridor like there is in Star Wars, I went, Beautiful. yes! Yeah. Villain's lair! Because you would just build that if yeah. you had Lady True's money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is Adrian a bad guy or a good guy still? I don't know. He was always between the two. That well, was he what th- the well, he, he thought he was a good guy. That was yeah, he's doing to do a good thing. I just, I, he's so, his bits of this are always such a joy. But ultimately, do you think... It, I don't mind him. I want him to be on screen. He's one, yeah. of, those, <clears throat> he's one of those bad guys that I just love watching. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, he's, he could have been played by um, Alan Rickman. True. Yeah, he's yeah. one of those baddies you want. He's yeah. the sheriff of Nottingham in, in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. I want him on screen, and every time he turns up, I'm happy. I, my theory is that Adrian Veidt is is in charge of whatever the whatever the male, malevolent force of of Cyclops is. I, I'm convinced now that it's him that's behind it, and I'm also convinced you wouldn't be seeing him unless he was connected with it somehow. Correct, and I also think that he's been he's escaped from wherever he is a long time ago. I think. Ah. Oh. I think that we're seeing past. So, I mean, that's the possible. That hadn't occurred to me that the possibility is that, is that he might not join up with 2019. He might join up with 2012. Yeah. And I think, and I, because, because 
part of me just thinks ultimately at the root of the whole series it's a revenge story and it's and yes. it's and it's right getting his own back on dr manhattan by basically making an army of his own dr manhattans that, yeah that's my that's my theory of it i mean that that plan drip coming out now was yeah. quite exciting i was thinking we'd wait a lot longer yeah for the for the baddies plot to suddenly turn up and for them to go to even just give you a clue to it and say it's going to be this and you go that's a great idea yeah because weirdly it's I've always said this that The Incredibles was the best Watchmen movie ever made because basically it was Watchmen for kids the same yeah, plot yeah. but superheroes are banned Perez Hilton is a bad guy what, yeah. yeah what would happen <laughs> what would happen if um, if superheroes were real had real families it's all the same thing yeah. and the great thing in that the, 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 the central plan of that for Jason Lee's baddie is if everyone's super, no one's super. Yeah. So the best thing you could do to, to have revenge on Dr. Manhattan would be to give his powers to everybody. To normalise him completely. Yeah. So that's... that's, all, that's it ends up like Monty Python's bicycle repairman sketch <laughs> where there's just loads of supermen everywhere. <laughs> which is obviously the, the, the classic image we're all waiting for. Oh, dear. Uh, and the elephant in the room is the other thing that oh, I'm actually God. quite confused about. Because, yeah. Because... I mean, apart from the fact that it literally was an elephant in the room, I can't... I'm, I might be being stupid, I might be being blind to what that's telling me. The only thing I went for is I went, oh God, don't do this. I'm, I hope I'm wrong. Elephants never forget. Oh, shit. And I, I suddenly went, oh God, that would be brilliant and yet amazingly cheesy. So I'm sort of, I'm holding out. If they've got the balls memories, to do that. it's elephants, yeah. Yeah, I, I did like that. I, was, I had bets on who would be on the other end of the, the, of the rope. Yeah. Uh, under the tube but which is great and also I love the little those little easter eggs and references to the original comic the great thing where she can't get in through the security door so she just smashes it Yeah, which they do with the Gordian Knot security firm in the original comic the, right. the unbreakable lock and I think it's Rorschach someone just kicks it down <laughs> and there's that feeling going if sometimes the impossible we can't get through smash Yeah, you can just walk through I was expecting that to be like a, it's the Indiana, a it's the Indiana Jones yes. uh, shooting the swordsman gun thing. against yeah. The, yeah, maybe you, everyone had diarrhea because that you day. Got <laughs> What's your big prediction? Oh, God, I don't know. I'm Actually, I tell you what, I'm enjoying not knowing. Yeah. Because every time one of these episodes comes out, scene to scene, you're doing what everyone does. You're predicting what happens next. And so far, I've never been right. And I particularly like the fact that I don't think anyone's guessed it yet. Normally, no. there's quite a lot of smart US blogs or there's some, yeah. like, some really good think pieces going, but of course, it's got to be this. And you go, oh, fuck, of course it's that. Whereas this... We're all as much in the dark. We're all and 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 we're all really happy about that as yeah. well. Yeah, to be actually be be dragged along by something in a sort of big shared game like this and not have it spoiled in the current culture of if it's something simple, if it's not multi-layered and things, someone will guess it. Yeah, and they'll be unbearable, <laughs> and they'll go on about it beforehand and afterwards. But the yeah. joy of this, I think, I don't want to know. Yeah, I sort of I'm aware of that. That if you're having enough fun watching something, the answer is often the most boring bit. I never really like the end of books. Like going on the on the, the trip through it, and because they're doing lovely stuff, they're being generous enough to reveal things as they go along. Sometimes within an episode, yeah. So lovely stuff like uh, when her grandmother turns up, and I thought, I wonder how this will turn out, and to actually take her out of the story just that like, quickly, just like that, yeah, totally unexpectedly. Uh, there was quite two, heartbreaking as well. There were bit. two moments yeah. I cried. One was when her grandmother went down, and the other one was when she held up the VHS and went, "She looks like me." Yeah. And I thought that Black Panther thing about identification in popular culture, the fact that this whole series has been about putting black faces into what yeah. which they didn't have, that you need a superhero to look up to. And also the fact, you know, just the fact that she's she's based the whole Assistant Night on a black exploitation character yeah. is just poetic. And it's a, a video she's never seen. Yeah. She's imagined it. And also the fact that Hooded Justice 
uh, wasn't allowed to be a black role yeah. model, and she's gone. So I'll pick one out of, of black exploitation fiction. They're really intelligent. It's such an intelligent and comprehensive backstory that I was reading that that, that even the the hardened comic book fans they're now seeing Hooded Justice as being a black man as canon now. Yeah, that is, that is just a thing now because it is so well crafted. It's got what this reminded what this is reminding me of in every sense, and in, I mean this in a totally positive way is Russell T Davis getting Doctor Who. Right. And it turning up and going, okay, I'm going to throw everything out. And that lovely thing at the beginning of the first episode when they brought Doctor Who back, and yeah. Billy Piper goes to Christopher Eccleston, where are you from? And he says, it doesn't matter. Which means every like 40-year-old man in a, in, a, in, a, in a Dalek t-shirt goes, oh, but he's from Gallifrey. Yeah, he's got doesn't two matter. hearts. It's not for you. Yeah. The great thing about this, even though it's got loads of stuff for the fans, it's really satisfying if you're not a fan. And it's someone taking it and going, I'm going to look after this. I'm going to do something in the spirit of it, but I'm not going to be a slave to it. But I'm going to do something that is equally as interesting. And I thought the only—I mean, I understand why Alan Moore wants nothing to do with it because it's his yeah. and it's got bad memories and it's owned by DC and he just wants to disown himself from that. But the real shame is, I think he'd, he'd, like, he'd like it. He'd really like. I, it. I think. Well, actually, whether he'd like it or not is up to him. I think it honours a thing he set going. And one of the great screw-ups that happened—it's not his fault with Watchmen—is that Watchmen came out and said, "What if superheroes were real?" And it was a great question because no one had asked it before. And then afterwards, what I think he wanted to happen is that the whole industry would go, right, that's them done, and we'll never do them again. <laughs> yeah. And instead, a year later, what if Daredevil was real? What if uh, what if SpongeBob SquarePants were real? Yeah. And they asked it about every single character, and they, it gave the whole industry a new lease of life yeah. that led to those boring DC movies where everyone's sad. <laughs> and you go, oh, what's great about this is it's taken the central idea, which is what if superheroes were real, and asked it intelligently and said, yeah. it would change everything. It would change all our culture. It would change our attitude to race. The alternate universe is set in the other timeline. Yeah. They're making it still make sense and ask really interesting questions. The same questions it asked about nuclear standoffs in 1986. It's yeah. now asking about race, identity, crime. It's still really grown up and clever. It is a comic for grown ups still. It still feels like it's too old for me. <laughs> I said this about when the Judge Dredd film came out. It was so violent. I went, oh, it's a 21 certificate. It feels too grown up for me to watch. That's because we're, we're only 23. We're only John. 23. <laughs> but it does feel like I'm, I'm stealing this off a, an older cousin. Which is what Watchmen felt like. Oh, is this what the grown-ups are into? Yeah. And I'm watching this going, this is really clever, beautifully made. Very grown-up. Yeah. But it's got, it's bothering to do all that stuff that grown-ups, like art housey things. It's got yeah. sort of David Lynchy moments in it, little flashes of Twin Peaks and things. Really clever, cerebral things in it. And it's a kick-ass superhero story. And a big shout-out to uh, Life on Mars getting a really nice kind of uh, piano treatment at the end of the episode. That was, was glorious. Wonderful stuff. And yeah, a bit of storytelling in the music. Uh, the soundtrack's been amazing. It's just everything. It's a quality piece, and I think it's been helped by no one expecting anything of it. No, we had very low expectations, didn't we? It has uh, to delight you. Listen, Joel, thank you for that. That was oh, a fantastic a chat. And uh, I'm loving pe- this. How can people, how can people find uh, your stuff? Uh, yeah, look for the Great Big Owl Network, which is the company we, we make all our podcasts with. And you can find uh, Rule of Three podcast on all the usual podcast uh, networks. That's where we are. Brilliant. Joel Morris, thank you so much, buddy. Cheers. Thank you so, so much for coming on, Joel. Really, really appreciate it. That was our kind of predictions and our chats as per the end of episode seven. But I want to know what you think. For next week's episode, I'm going to do it all about fan theories and fan predictions for the finale. Okay, so I need your help. You're listening to this. You're a fan of Watchmen. You're a fan of Previously On. I want you to get involved. I will do a compilation of all of the best entries uh, in the next week's episode. So if you want to send a 
voice message. Can you email that? I think you can. I'll put all the contact details and ways you can send your stuff in the uh, in the link description of the of this episode. But start having to think about it. What do you think's going on? Hopefully, Joel and I gave you food for thought. But I'm really, really keen on finding out what you think is going to happen. Are we right? Are we wildly off target? Let me know. Let me know and get on the podcast for next week. Now, it's almost crazy to think we've still got two episodes left. Shall we find out what the trailer for episode eight has in store for us? Here we go. I love you. We just met. When did you fall in love with me? I was already in love with you. Before you even saw me? I don't experience the concept of before. So, there's no moment. Moment? A moment when you realize I'm in love. This is the moment. I just told you that you can't save me. And you're going to try to anyway. Okay, let's have a quick, quick dissection of that. First of all, can we give a big shout out to the incredible kind of tabloid newspaper writers that wrote the title of next week's episode. Next week's episode is called A God Walks Into A Bar. A Bar, Angela A Bar. I mean... What the what the hell? <laughs> Full credit. I doff my cap to you. Um, and predictably, it is revealing how the events of, uh, of of Dr. Manhattan becoming Cal came to be. We're back in Saigon. We see John, aka Dr. Manhattan, wearing a mask, wearing a Dr. Manhattan mask. Does that mean that Angela sees him as Dr. Manhattan or is she seeing him as Cal? I'm intrigued about that. Does she know that it's Dr. Manhattan? They talk about knowing when you're in love, the moment when you know you're in love. Angela says, how can you know you're in love with me? We've, we've never met. And he says, I was already in love with you. Uh, but the concept of before is very, very different for me. We know that Dr. Manhattan kind of sees everything all at once and sees the past as the future. It's, you know, it's all very complicated, but quite romantic. Did anyone else notice, though, and you might want to rewind the podcast a bit, as John slash Dr. Manhattan was talking, it felt like his voice was morphing into Cal's, which again makes me think that perhaps Angela doesn't ever see him as Dr. Manhattan. I don't know. But the last kind of lines, the couple of lines, I guess, that lead towards the plot a bit more where John slash Cal slash Dr. Manhattan say, I just told you that you can't save me. And you're going to try to anyway. Has Dr. Manhattan seen all of these events already? And knows what's going to happen? In which case, him saying that Angela can't save him. Is that true? Oh God, I'm, I, please, can it be Monday already? I can't take it anymore. I need to know what happened to the elephant. Is the elephant okay? Damon, is the elephant okay? Thanks very much for listening. Hope it's been helpful. Don't forget, Watchmen is available exclusively on Sky Atlantic each Monday at 9pm. If you've missed any of the episodes so far, do not panic. Don't panic. They've got it covered. Each episode of Watchmen goes straight up on demand as soon as it finishes airing on the Monday night. So they're all there, all ready for you to get stuck into. For more information about Watchmen or indeed any of the other awesome shows that Sky Atlantic have got going on right now, just head over to sky.com. 
If you've enjoyed previously on, do us a favour, give us a cheeky little five-star review, tell all your friends, particularly if there's someone maybe in your household that needs to get up to speed with Watchmen so that you can enjoy it together. Maybe this podcast would be quite useful for them. If you're new to Previously On, you might want to go back and check out some of our previous episodes. Uh, We've covered recaps of a hell of a lot of series already. There's every single episode of Game of Thrones. We've done Peaky Blinders, Stranger Things. We've done Big Little Lies, and there's loads more of them to come. If you've got any suggestions, just get in touch. We're over on Twitter, at Previous Podcast. We will see you next time. Until then, you've been listening to Previously On, in association with Sky Atlantic. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.